So, you know, our role as designers, and again, this comes out over and over, is to bring the customer to every conversation. So in this kind of environment, we're, we're there to be the champions of the customer and say, okay, we're, we're considering all these other factors that we, we get them, we're going to look into them, we're going to weigh them up, we're going to prioritize and, and, um, and work all that out. But, but we can't forget about the customer and the customer is sort of the key, key to this. And it needs to be driven by insight and robust thinking. Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. Enjoy the episode. Today we talk with Catherine Richards, a very experienced design leader and practitioner in the area of service design, strategic design and user experience. Currently, she is driving the awareness of the power of design in South Africa, working at Fjord. Before that, she had the chance to gain experience in the consulting space in Istanbul, Paris, Munich and London. The cultural differences of these places will be a key topic. An impressive shout of learnings and experiences. Hey, Katrin. So we are super excited to have you on the Design Draws podcast and talk a bit about design in different cultures and how also how it shaped you as a creative in your work driving impact through design. Perfect. Look forward to it. Uh, before we get into um, your professional career, your process, your learnings, maybe we can go all the way back and talk a little bit about um, how it all started out for you. Yeah, so um, I think there are a couple of points that um, really sort of piqued my interest in design. Um, I mean, I started life as a product designer. Um, I studied um, at a university in Leicester in the Midlands, the UK, called De Montfort. Um, I did a product design course, which um, sort of uh, focused on everything from high early stage visualization skills through to CAD and, and design for manufacture. So I spent many hours in a design studio, um, researching needs um, in the workshops, um, tinkering with the plastics, wood, metal, soft materials, and sort of coming up and testing ideas. Um, and then after that, I went on to do um, a, a master's in strategy and innovation at Brunel University. Um, and um, it, in between, I, I worked in a design agency in London, so specialized in health and medical design. Um, and, but if we go all the way back, I think my love of design started um, at school. I was lucky enough to, um, I had a couple of great schools that I went to, even primary school, um, that introduced me to the full spectrum of design. Um, and I was always sort of uh, problem solving and spending my time in the, the workshops and the design departments. Um, and I was always keen in um, how how people interacted in environments because I had a bit of a passion for geography as well at the same time. So how did people interact with the environments they lived in? And so design was a natural fit for sort of problem solving and then looking at um, people and ecosystems and behaviors and attitudes and needs. So it goes, it goes back, back really to, to sort of very early days. Mm -hmm. um, you went from product design then more to a strategic design role and interest. Um, actually quite early in your career. Can you tell a little bit about that shift and maybe the motivation behind it? Yeah, um, so I guess there were two reasons. Um, my my heart was always in the early stage of um, of a project, um, sort of understanding the needs of people that we were designing for. 
um, and the drivers to determine um, um, the um, sort of opportunities um, and um, where there were things um, that were useful to customers, not just not just um, uh, sort of the end stage of the design process. I really wanted to get to the heart of the actual pro problem. Um, and healthcare was a pure play of this. And when I moved into strategy, I moved into healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, and so after my BA, um, I wanted to sort of understand this a little bit more um, about what this thing was that was a bigger picture and really and unearthing um, needs. Um, so I went back into university to to look at um, strategic design and innovation. And it was all much more about the bigger picture. Um, so how different factors came together from people, technology and business um, and that where they met was where mm -hmm. there was the opportunity. Um, you, what was also really interesting, you know, looking at your um, career is that you did a lot of tasting. You know, it seems like you got the chance um, very early on to experience designing in different places. For example, like Wire, Design Plus and others. Did it help you, you know, finding your focus? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was super important um, to, to try different things out. And it wasn't just design experiences, but in the early days, it was also about tasting other jobs and experiences. And, um, you know, what I thought was really important or what I now realize was really important was even the, the Saturday jobs, the, the, the paper delivery or the um, data entry, you know, after hours when everybody goes home or waitressing or sales or whatever it was, They all taught me something about the way that services are delivered and businesses operate. And so tasting went all the way back to, to, to um, work, even when it wasn't design related. And then with my design experiences, um, I was lucky enough, I guess it was luck and some of it was just chance. Um, and um, it was I was lucky enough to sample a range of different kinds of design and different kinds of company that did design. And to be fair, I probably didn't have much of a clue where I would end up. Um, I just I just enjoyed the, the, trying, the trying of different things out and tasting every opportunity. Um, and even between jobs, I was sampling and trying different things as well. Um, I remember um, I had a trip with my my parents um, to to the states and to Chicago, and even then I am um, sort of uh, I, I took my portfolio with me. I got in touch with people in advance and sent a few CVs out so I could just go and talk to different people about what design was and what it meant to them, and just gauge where where I might fit into the whole thing when I was working out what I wanted. Um, and then I, through volunteering, I volunteered at the London Design Festival when I first moved to London. Um, at the time, I didn't know much about the agencies really and who was there and what was what. So, so through the volunteering, I was able to sort of meet people and find out a little bit about different companies and, and, and actually made some good friends and mentors out of that process. And they, you know, I used them to, as, um, as for guidance um, during my master's and then later on for work. Um, and people like John Corcoran at Wire, um, who was the, one of the directors at Wire, I met him through one of these, these particular events. Um, we just got chatting, and at the time when later on that I was looking for work, I got in touch and said, hey, you know, um, I'm quite interested in learning more about your company. 
um, can I come in for a chat? And that's where it really started. And um, and they were super interested in things like inclusive design at the time. So it introduced me to a, a, um, a whole area of communication design that was looking at a range of audio visual elements and things that was moving beyond what people were talking about as inclusive design at the time, because inclusive design was much more about products and um, things like OXO good grips and those kinds of things. But there was a whole area about how do you design for communication and visually um, and um, moving beyond the typical make the type size bigger. So those kinds of things came out of just tasting from different companies. Um, and I guess a similar thing happened when I moved to Pearson Matthews. Um, they were healthcare specialists. Um, and a similar situation, I'd sent a CV out, I'd moved to London with, with no, no job set up, um, stayed, stayed on the, the couch of uh, some friends. And um, Jim Dorton um, of Pearson Matthews um, sort of invited me in for a chat. Um, and so he and the likes of Mike Pearson, who was one of the founders, were the ones that really introduced me to chat or challenged me constantly about where to focus and um, how to make connections from really diverse sources and find opportunity in those those gaps in the middle and look for innovation and innovative solutions, um, looking along horizons, um, future stuff that's probably now past. But um, but the, you know it was really great to have that kind of exposure and the, these kinds of people that I bumped into along the way. Yeah, and it's it's really hard often to realize that if you're in that situation, uh, situation usually it's you know many years later that you realize that this really had an impact. I think yeah, tasting is really important. Also, failing all uh, um, early on in the design career, maybe to find the the right focus really helps to see and discover the things that you actually like. I think very important. What was also really interesting, uh, looking at your career and your experiences and. Uh, the impact you had was that you helped to build up Design It in London. Um, you worked uh, actually with two people I, I know, Manuel and uh, Matthias, who also were in uh, Design It Munich. Maybe you can tell a little bit about uh, how it was building up Design It London and then your experience in, in Munich afterwards. Yeah, um, so so it was a great opportunity and um, my, my, my word, I... I learned a lot. Um, so, in a way, it was um, it was a little startup. We um, the the seed of it um, came with again Jim Dorton. So, the early days of designing in London, um, which sort of a slight different um, a state that it's obviously very large and a different setup at the moment. I believe in, in London, um, but the the early stages were when we were we went down to a coffee shop in. Um, Stratton in South London. It was myself and and Jim and another colleague um, who um, who had worked together at Pierce and Matthews and and so we we started sort of crafting the vision of what we felt um, sort of design it. Um, you know, was going to be and whether um, we, we were also freelancing a little bit together at the time. So it sort of started, started the early seeds um, in a coffee shop. And then um, we moved to share um, an office space um, with a Danish architecture firm whose founders were actually the old classmates of the founders of Design It Denmark. So um, we were able to immerse ourselves in the Danish culture as much as we could and um, without physically being in Denmark. Um, okay. 
I mean, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, there was a definite um, you know a change, a different feel to it to to the other design agencies in London at the time. Um, I mean, the economy was going through a really tough time, and that obviously brought huge challenges and opportunities in equal measure. So, so when we were talking about design it and bringing this sort of introducing the Scandinavian culture, and what was a was sort of a 360 approach to design. It was fairly unfamiliar to the market because a lot of agencies and design consultancies were were very specialist in certain areas. You might have a product design agency at the time or a graphic design agency or, or um, you know, instructional and marketing materials might be done by by another kind of agency so you had a very um lots and lots of different agencies happening um doing doing different things but design it brought it all under one roof so um it was quite interesting sort of introducing that kind of approach um to 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 potential clients in in london um and what was what was great was we had the um um, the contact with um, the other offices and and just sort of learning from them about what they were doing and the their offerings and how they go about doing things and and um, you know Munich was one of those that I I got the the chance to work with for for a short a short amount of time um, so so I went over to um, yeah the Munich office um, and um, worked on a project with the team there um, and what was um, what was interesting was just getting another perspective on design and strategy. Um, just how do people go about doing things, but where there are similarities as, as well as differences. And, and for me, it's sort of a thread that goes through everything that I'll probably talk about is sort of understanding local cultures and being immersed in local cultures and seeing it differently. Um, so I got to meet some, another, Another group of amazing people. Um, we undertook a very rapid ethnographic research project around Munich, very guerrilla style. We we didn't have time and um, to do huge amounts of planning. We just had to go and do, um, and we had to probe um, the problem area from a customer perspective. And that, as an outsider, it meant that I was everything that I was being exposed to was was new and interesting, really, because you hear it from a um, a fresh perspective. Um, so no, it was it was it, design. It was was great um, to to get this introduction from different com- uh, countries, and we we quite often had the opportunity to come together um, once or twice a year, um, all the studios, and um, um, and again it was a uh, one big uh, I guess <laughs> party, um, but also one big happy you know good family and. Um, and um, uh, an amazing bunch of designers. Yeah. What was your uh, your task there? Did you have to do, do a lot of, you know, early on, I guess, like as designers uh, started to build out a lot of business development as well? Um, or, yeah, it's like doing a lot of uh, wearing different hats, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we um, very much was about new business development. Um, so a lot of proposal writing, a lot of points of view, a lot of um, meeting people for coffees and introductions <laughs> to find out what their needs were. Um, and then sort of trying to glean from a very open conversation where um, where there might be like a little nugget of something that we, you know, we could, we could um, investigate further with them. Um, 
we, you know, we, we had a foundation, uh, the, the, the team of us that were there had a foundation again in healthcare. So, so we spoke a lot to um, healthcare based kinds of organizations. Um, so it was, you know, what was great about it when you're doing new businesses, you, you get, a um, again another view on business and what's going on in the world because you have to go in and ask questions you have to go and explore and listen and then and then try and find um, something that you can um, that you can investigate further so um, so that was great and then when we when we did win the work um, my role I guess was um, early stage research ethnographic kind of work so I was then involved in the actual early stage strategy and working out the direction of projects um, or the direction of the, um, the, the the solution that we were going to look into further so though and but new business didn't stop um, and new business development anywhere didn't stop I remember going out to um Salt Lake City, um, an op- opportunity popped up over there, and so there I was, sort of flew over with a little little bag, and um, you know, met a colleague from Denmark that flew in that had a complementary set of expertise, and we went and you know went and pitched to a, quite a senior board of people. Um, so we just had to flex and respond to whatever got thrown our way, really. Um, but yeah. Uh, good times. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, then you moved to uh, Ernst and Young. Maybe looking at uh, that experience, how did it help you maybe also um, selling design or learning about how to communicate uh, the value of design? Because I guess that's uh, something that's in that space uh, quite a big uh, part. And uh, maybe also, you know, maybe it was the first time for you also leading a team. So maybe um, your learnings about that. Yeah. So um, when I initially started at Seren, um, EY Seren, it was Seren um, mm-hmm. before they were they were part of Ernst Young. And um, it again took me in a, to a different space. So I think every job that I've taken has sort of given me something new and taught me something new. Um, and so service design to an extent was still something I was working out um I was doing much more strategic design and I was probably doing service design without me realizing what it actually was it was still in its infancy there were few agencies in London consultancies who were doing doing it like engine and live work and um but but it was still fairly limited in 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 where it was so um so I was then involved in sort of helping shaping sort of methods and tools um, that we needed to use day to day because they weren't necessarily there or they weren't formalized, let's say. Um, so so through doing the work, I, um, I you know, I sort of helped shape what service design was at, at EY Seren early on. Um, and then um, then also when as part of Seren, we we then had a couple of um, mergers. So we merged with a, a company called the um, called Foveance, um, and they were much more from the analytics and UX um, and UX research side. So what was interesting was bringing the analytics and the data side to then combine with design. It meant mm-hmm. that we had this whole. Um, uh, this whole other tool um, that we could use around around measuring 
measure, measuring what was going on or putting in frameworks to be able to measure the change. Whereas I guess up until now, it's, it was quite qualitative and we knew that the direction that we were recommending was right, but this gave us like some ammunition to actually say, okay, we can sort of put some, some data behind this. And, and how do you put data in at the start of a project? How do you put analytics at the start of a project, not at the end? So that was a great way to say, um, to start looking at value, putting a value on design. Mm -hmm. um, I think later on, um, so I think through business consulting, you sort of learn you, you have to, um, you're challenged constantly to see it from all perspectives. Um, you know, what's the value to the customer, but what's the value to the business and any other third parties involved? Um, and what I learned was, uh, role is very quickly about weighing it up and finding the sweet spot for opportunity opportunities that shows value to all the different parties um, and then find the best tool to communicate it to a wide range of stakeholders from those businesses you might have um, you know the CFO is looking for the cost and the revenue uplift the impact and return but the CTO is looking for the you know what what does that mean to the tech infrastructure and the ability to deliver it and sustain it but then the cmo is looking for the big idea and the translation to the different markets and segments and then the business is looking to deliver the best possible product with a predetermined framework so you know our role as designers and again this comes out over and over is to bring the customer to every conversation so in this kind of environment we're, we're there to be the champions of the customer and say okay we're, we're considering all these other factors that we we get them we're going to look into them we're going to weigh them up we're going to prioritize and and um and work all that out but but we can't forget about the customer and the customer is sort of the key key to this and it needs to be driven by insight and robust thinking um it needs to be driven by actually going and speaking and seeing and feeling what's going on with these the audiences um i think the other element through through this uh, through working in sort of more business consulting is um, or, or for me is big picture as well you know where you know what's going on now but what's going on in the future and what channel does it make most sense to deliver the experience through um, quite often again we get pushed down one route and one channel um, but it's our role as designers to sort of be the translator and the bridge between all these different worlds and say this is how it all connects and this is you know it's one customer that might interact with all your different channels is not a different customer for every single channel so you know those kinds of things um sort of came out as well mm -hmm. um and then i guess in leading a team um yeah it was the first time that i, I led a team um and sort of uh, a team grew during that time and in, I guess in everything that I do, I try to recognize what I know and can share, but what I don't know and other people around me can can bring to it. And I would say I try to take that attitude with leading a team as well. So I try to be there to sort of, you know, I've learned to put the framework in place um, and, and pushing, putting forward an idea or a theory or a hypothesis, but also always encouraging the, the people around me to challenge it, to say, okay, this is, 
um, that's interesting, but I agree or I don't disagree and I don't disagree. And here's the rationale for why I don't disagree, so why I don't agree. Um, so I think learning that as well, when you bring different different people together in the team, because in service design, you don't have just pure designers. You have, um, yeah. you have people from different backgrounds as well. And they will always come at it with a different perspective. And that's what that's what's so great about our profession, I think. Mm -hmm. um so yeah and early on I was taught to learn from your failures so um uh, as much as from your successes so it's something that I would always look for in the, the the people in my team to go and try things but learn from from things when they don't always go to plan mm -hmm. oh, that's great um after that you joined Fjord in uh, Istanbul actually uh, maybe you can tell a little bit about the drive moving into the new new environment and context like uh, Turkey yeah so um I always got a buzz from um you know that feeling when you go somewhere new and everything's um um everything's a bit raw um you know certainly to you anyway and you're exposed to new people and cultures so always you know through traveling love that that feeling because um, I think it also, I think we, you know, we can get caught in our own bubbles sometimes. And, um, and so I sort of like the idea of sort of challenging it and um, opening, opening up my mind really and challenging what I know. Um, I mean, I briefly lived abroad um, as a student. I lived in France and, um, and then I, I've done, I had done a range of ethnographic research um, across different places in Hong Kong and India, Germany and Saudi I think at the time and across the UK but I hadn't really worked as a local in a different country and I think I got to a point in London I thought London's always going to be there it's always going to be pushing the boundaries it's it's got amazing amount of design uh, in its blood um, and it's going to be a fantastic opportunity that I could hopefully come back to but at that time I just felt a need in me to go and Uh, challenge myself and also challenge it in a way that isn't uh, that, that is 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 contrasting to 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 what I'm um, what I'm used to the day to day and what an opportunity in Istanbul came along um, I didn't I didn't go immediately look saying hey I know let's go to Istanbul But when it did come along, I thought, wow, actually, there's the intersection of East and West. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a place of contrast. Um, what, what a fascinating place to go and explore. Um, so I think those were the, the reasons that I decided to go over there. Yeah. yeah, I really believe in learning about people in different parts of the world and you know, gaining context awareness. I think it's incredible empowering for designers. And um, you moved you know, from Istanbul, um, actually then to Paris, and uh, now you're in uh, Cape Town and uh, flying off into Johannesburg. Can you tell a little bit about you know, maybe your drive behind that, uh, maybe the difficulties you faced, and also you did it all you know, for Fjord, so maybe the um, strongest differences in terms of cultures locally in the design studios. Yeah, um, so... I think as with the move to Istanbul, um, you know, somewhere it sort of scares and excites me in equal measures. And, um, and it's, uh, yeah, you get to look at things, um, you know, from a look at things in your life a bit differently. Um, 
and I hadn't done a huge amount of groundwork, which allowed me to, and I intentionally I hadn't done a lot of groundwork because I wanted to go in with an open mind and with little expectation. And, um, you know, that was, um, that was, that was a great thing to do. Um, but it obviously has its pros and cons. So without the, you know, without the groundwork, it's also, it can be quite, quite scary because you then have to go and find things out in a, in a functional kind of way as, as well as an exploration kind of way. So it's got its, it's high, you know, it's pros and cons of that. But, um, and challenges in yourself a little bit are about allowing yourself the mind uh, the mind space and the time to actually let different attitudes and um, behaviors play out um as open-minded as I think you are um you do have subconscious biases and ingrained behaviors and I think when things don't go the same way as the way you've grown up or and uh, you know that things that you naturally go to do and expect a response to or, or whatever that might be it can frustrate and confuse but so part of the challenge was just and I, you know I I come across this day to day now even you know you you've still got ingrained behaviors about expectations of going to a supermarket um you know when they, when I'm in the UK I pop I was back there for a couple of weeks over Christmas time and um and you go to a supermarket and it's familiar you know where where to go there's a very uh, you know a similar format you can self-serve um you've got a quite a standard response uh, in the service from the, cu- uh, the customer service staff but but that doesn't always play out in these other countries and so even just mm. buying the simplest of things is you know the language barrier I remember going shopping for the first time even in, in Istanbul and just some basics that you you have to learn and um, be open to learning um, and I think that that brings as I said both the challenges but also the opportunities because you look at it and then challenge also what you knew from before and say but why do we do it that way why did we do it that way before um, when it actually comes to um, um, comes to sort of strong um, differences and things, I think between different locations, um, some of the differences are actually what everybody has in common. Um, so things like rituals, um, you know, especially in studios, rituals around breakfast or celebrating a birthday or you know a particular life event. While every studio has its own individual way of doing it, um, the commonality is community and family and relationships and bringing people together and um, talking and challenging and learning something new. So the differences are actually something that everybody has in common. Um, I think on a working uh, in a working um, from a working perspective, um, I think big differences are the way that you interact with your clients. Um, and again, it comes back to rituals and formalities. The um, same, I guess, as interacting with colleagues and people you meet day to day. But but how do you explain that you don't necessarily agree with a, uh, an approach? How do you explain that there might be another way of doing things? Depending on the culture that you're in, 
it might be okay to hit it head on or it might not be okay to hit it head on and you know finding those kinds of things out uh, uh, you know are quite important quite early on yeah and I um when I did some work in Saudi um, when I was still at EY Seren that played out very very clearly about how you how you work with people um, I was working within a bank over there and um, you know, how do you work with the colleagues to to explain your message without culturally, uh, w- just to make sure that you did it culturally in the right way so that if you wanted to suggest another way or recommend an alternative way of doing it, it wasn't seen as a direct criticism or a fault on the person, but it was actually a, a, an alternative. Um, so those kinds of things. And I think to some it, it, but lesser extent, Istanbul, there was a little bit in, in that as well, about learning about how to, to tackle those kinds of situations. Um, I, think, I think the other thing that was interesting was um, the demographics and, and sort of socioeconomic status of the country or the city was interesting. So Turkey um, still um, is still developing in many areas, but developed in a lot of other areas. And at the time I arrived, it was pretty turbulent. Um, it was around um, uh, the time of uh, some terror attacks um, in Ankara and Istanbul. Um, but but you could feel the passion of the young population um, bubbling to the surface in every aspect um, sort of life and design, whether it was uh, recent protests about um, holding on to green spaces within the city or the passion for, for designing amazing experiences. It didn't matter, but there was a young, passionate feeling that sort of came to the surface. Um, and then c- contrasting it to when I was in Paris, um, Paris, again, unfortunately, it was a time that they were also facing some demons. Um, there was also some attacks there. But it was a different kind of drive for change and um, drive for um, a relationship with the economy and business. It was it was more more established, um, and um, there was a different response to um, you know to to those kinds of situations of attacks on who the who the the the, the country was, um, and you could see that in a different way in in the way that people designed um, designed and engaged with business. Um, and I think I think finally, uh, so the developed markets, you become much more a specialist um, in what you do. There's a lot more people um, doing similar jobs to you, I think, and um, you, you're required to to go pretty deep into your your skill set. Um, whereas the more the the less developed markets, and even so, even sort of South Africa, which is one one of those, you need to be more wide as well as specialists you need to be more t-shaped um mm-hmm. still trying to work out um still trying to set patterns and work things out and be able to turn your hand to whatever comes your way um and i think johannesburg you see see that a lot if you're taken into a role um within an organization you're expected to be able to flex and grow in all different directions and whatever's thrown at you in the morning, you, you, you do need to, to be able to sort of respond and deal with it. Um, I think I was fortunate that I've got the, the, the experience of, 
of being in London as well and the tasting that we talked about earlier, I was able to taste lots of different things. So so this has been able to draw on all those random different or what I, I thought were random experiences and be able to draw on all of them now um, in my job. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. Uh, maybe talking a little bit about Africa, South Africa and your time now at Johannesburg. Uh, can you tell a little bit about how the design industry is changing there, where you see the impact of design uh, within the development of um, Africa or South Africa? And uh, how do you see the connection between you know, design and innovation there? Yeah, um, I think it's good. It's really interesting question because it's such an exciting time, um, I think, in South Africa for design and business. Um, businesses are completely thrilled with the concept of design and are enthusiastic about the value it can bring. Um, I think they're still um, curious um, to hear about how it can play out in businesses and, and the role it plays um, in, in business and day to day. Um, and service design is definitely still in its infancy here. Um, UX is far more developed. Um, mm -hmm. But um, and there's a you know so the, I think there's a huge opportunity to to sort of uh, sort of shape um, shape and shape design here. Um, but design in a different way, um, I yeah. think, to the way that we do it elsewhere. Um, there's some fantastically talented designers here, but because of the, the history, um, you know, there's also um, a gap in skills and education, meaning that the pool of, of people to draw from is, is relatively small. So there's a, also a huge opportunity that designers um, can play a role um, in education and design education and um, sort of looking at and wider skills not just as you know and how design becomes a skill that enables people to do other jobs and other roles whether it's in their local communities townships or cities you know it's a it's a useful tool to to just 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 to enable them to to um, solve problems um, in their everyday life um, I think uh, it's it's a non uh, homogenized society here. You've got huge variation in the population. Um, you've got 11 different official languages um, to start off with. Um, as I said, there's a huge range of education. There's a huge range of income. Um, and there's also challenges around access to the basics. You know, we, we take things that we take for granted um, in Cape Town the last year, we've obviously had a water crisis. Um, generally, across the whole of South Africa, there's uh, electricity um, challenges about keeping a steady supply. So we have quite often rolling, um, rolling shutoffs, um, outages. Um, and it's, you know, it's not guaranteed that you'll have electricity or water. Um, But, and, and data is one of the most expensive in the world and many people don't have access to bank accounts. So things that we take for granted elsewhere, um, it just, you know, you can't here. Um, but that then opens up these incredible opportunities. So how do you reach people um, and enable them to have access to the money that they've earned when they don't have a bank account? How do you enable them to pay for things um, and get paid? Um, you know, when data is uh, one of the most expensive in the world, how do you design services that don't 
deplete data at, at, at huge rates and um, and provide them with uh, the the tools that they need, um, you know, on on their phones. And and phones, uh, telco is one of the uh, hugely interesting space because it's everywhere. There are more people with with telephones than uh, with SIMs than have bank accounts. So how do you how do you look at all these new interesting opportunities? And that's across the whole of Africa. Um, but yeah, you've got these these you know these you know these opportunities and gaps that don't exist in the more developed countries. So. It's pretty exciting, um, and I think through that is where innovation will come up. So you know you've got some uh, amazing startups um, in Cape Town and, and Johannesburg, um, some really innovative companies that are coming up with some fantastic new solutions to to problems here, but that can be translated to 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 other countries that have just gotten used to doing things in a certain way. So, um, yeah, I think it's hugely exciting. I think it's fascinating to see the role of design evolving in South Africa. Uh, we have to wrap this up. Again, thanks for inspiring the design community in making the leap, exploring new cultures. And in addition, I think it was very exciting to hear about your experience building up a design studio in London and your perspectives on communicating design. Thank you, no worries. Thanks for talking to me. That was the episode. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.